0: Hey, what's up, guys? Happy Friday! Hope you've had a good week uh as good as you can have it's It's been a, a very, very heavy week, right? There's a lot going on in the world, man, as you see, I'm wearing glasses, yes, um, my eyes are very tired, okay, so you guys can make fun of me and call me a nerd or four eyes or whatever. but um my face has been buried in the computer all day, my eyes are tired, so I'm wearing my computer glasses. I don't care go ahead and make fun of me. <clears throat> um, make sure that you hit that thumbs up button, all right? Go ahead and hit the like. And um, we got the phones open. We can uh, we can talk about a lot of things. But before we get into uh, the fight tomorrow over in Scotland, uh, obviously, I wanted to uh, just talk real briefly about what's going on in Ukraine. And uh, I'm sure you guys might want to talk about this too. But that's why I mean it's it's a heavy week, man. There's there's uh, there's some heavy stuff going on in the world, and as it relates to Ukraine, I think um, you know. Look, I'm known as an Italian. I, I am Italian, but um, I'm also Eastern European, and uh, I have relations to Ukraine on my mother's side. So, uh, what's going on right now over there, you know, kind of hits home. And it's something that uh, we're talking about. So I think for everyone in the boxing community, you know, this is something that's kind of hitting home because there, there's a lot of influence in in the boxing community right now from the Ukraine. If You look at the past 10, 20 years, some of the best fighters and not just at heavyweight, but all the way down to like featherweight. Some, some of the best fighters uh, been from that part of the world. So um, and of course, this involves Russia, too. Um there's a lot of Russian citizens that are not happy with what's going on and want really no part of it. You know, this, this is something that, uh, you know, their leadership is doing, but the the people aren't necessarily for it. And then of course there are neighboring countries around there that are going to be affected by this. I mean, Poland is right there. Belarus is right there. So I think a lot of Eastern European people right now are uh, caught up in this. And of course that hits the boxing community heavily because again, there's, there's a lot of fighters from that part of the world that, uh, you and I watch. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, I speak with a lot of these guys, uh, there's some of them that I, I've gotten to know pretty well, some of these guys. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a pretty big deal, man. Um, I don't know what to say other than I hope that, uh, uh hopefully it's over quickly and there could be a peaceful solution found. And, um, we're not talking about this six months from now, you know, um, that that's that's really my hope um, more than anything else. I don't, I don't want to get political and talk about how we got here and everything. Um, I, I do think that, you know, the unfortunately, our leadership here in the United States is involved in different ways and uh, helped bring us here. But, you know, I don't even really want to talk about that. I, I just you know, I know that people have died and I know a lot of people personally. Uh, that I know, you know, their family members are affected by this and uh, friends and family, neighbors, that sort of thing. So uh, it it sucks. Uh, It really sucks, man. Uh, Super chat pledge from Aaron. Thank you very much, Aaron. I appreciate that. He says, yo, Mike, hope you're well. Vasily intends to live here indefinitely. Great timing. Humidity and intensity of the sun here is like anywhere else. Just ask Manny especially if the fight is outdoors, he may melt. <laughs> uh, well, Aaron, tell everybody where you're talking about specifically, man, in the chat so the guys know. Um, but, um, well, I'm sure, speaking of Vasily, uh, I'm sure you guys saw that uh, Alexander Usyk, I think, was in the U.K., I think doing some initial preparations for his rematch with Anthony Joshua that should take place, uh, was was set to take place in the first half of this year. He's over there now in the Ukraine. I'm, you guys know about Vladimir Klitschko, and now you know about Vitaly Klitschko. I I tweeted out some stuff a few minutes ago, and uh, these guys, look, man, these guys are multimillionaires, especially the Klitschko brothers, uh, especially Vladimir. These guys are worth tens of millions of dollars, and um, superstars not just in Ukraine, but in many different countries, many different parts of Europe, and could be kind of sitting on their ass in a in a hot tub or something <laughs> tweeting about what's going on and trying to uh do what I call, you know, hashtag activism and making it about them and putting putting up these empty gestures, you know, and just the stuff that a lot of celebrities do, you know, uh, they're not doing that. They they are over there. They're over there um putting themselves on the front lines um in, in harm's way to to help their fellow citizens. I think that's pretty admirable. And it's something that I don't think we see from a lot of superstar celebrity especially, athletes especially but i was going to say you know actors and even politicians man because the, i saw uh, several ukrainian politicians are putting themselves right there in the front lines and i know for sure that wouldn't be happening here in america we had uh, politicians here telling people that they couldn't leave their house yet we saw them partying it up at you know insanely expensive restaurants like french laundry and stuff just google it guys french laundry and uh the, the governor of California. I mean, it's crazy. So to see some old-fashioned actual leadership has been pretty cool. And uh to see that tied to the boxing world, that's been really cool too. You know, that hits home for all of us because we're boxing nuts. Uh man. <clears throat> oh, so Aaron's in Queensland. All right, but um, yeah, even to Mel, he says even in Melbourne, it'll be hot in the summer. Yeah, you know, I've never been to that part of the world i'd love to i'd love to but it's a little crazy over there right now but once it's a little less crazy over there i'd like to go visit aaron says it was 32 celsius when manny fought jeff horn in brisbane yeah i remember that um crazy humid but you know what in terms of proximity um i I get why Vitaly would go or vitalia Vasily would go down there I, i get it uh to train I think there's gonna be more too. I actually think the Australian boxing scene is growing. There, there's been some some good fighters in recent years uh from that part of the world. And there's a market building. So if Cambosis puts on this big fight, which you know, again, I'm not gonna to disclose too much, but um he should fight over there in June as long as things hold up. But guys, the government's involved in his next fight. Um it's it's big and the big the big football league over there is involved. Um so there's a big international involvement. That's going to be huge, and, and that's going to help further build the Australian boxing community. All right, let's get to some uh, some news here. Steve Teitelbaum with the Super Chat. Thank you very much, Steve. He says, can Beevil beat Canelo? Oh, well, that brings us to the news of the hour uh, as it relates specifically to boxing news. Uh, actually, I don't even think it's been officially made official yet, but um, apparently a deal is right there. And as I've been telling you guys, um, Canelo is going to fight Beevil and Golovkin. I guess, I think it's Beevil for May 7th, and I want to say Golovkin is September 17th. I think those are the two dates. I'm just going off the top of my head. I could be wrong, but right around there, right around there. Um, uh, can Beevil be, can, I mean, yeah, of course he can, but would I favor him to at this point? No, I, I think Beevil has plateaued in recent years. Now, again, maybe he's just playing possum and fighting down to the level of his opposition. We've seen Beevil fight very, very well, but he has somewhat plateaued. And I think that Canelo has found a way. uh, He's really found his groove anyway, find fighting taller fighters. And for, you know, for Beevil who moves straight in and straight out, I just think that could be timed. He doesn't move laterally very well, unless he can really stay behind that jab and throw, you know, 50 jabs around or something uh, to keep Canelo from countering as he pulls that straight out. And then, uh, you know, if he pulls straight out behind a jab, hands up, and then he can, you know, move away to the side. You know, beevil has got a shot, of course, but, you know, he's going to be fighting the system. That that fight's likely going the distance. He's going to be fighting the system. Uh, can he get a decision? I don't know. But, uh, look, so I I have to we'll, – we'll talk about the, the fight with Beevil, Canelo and Beevil. As we get closer, of course, and there's going to be plenty of time for us to break it down and dissect it. But as long as there's no rematch clause or any of that stuff, man, I love that Canelo's really fighting him at 175. That's a legit fight. This is not when Canelo fought Sergei Kovalev. Kovalev was was very compromised going into that fight. I don't even rate that as one of Canelo's top 10 wins. I, I know a lot of people, you know, it was marketed as this big thing. He got a title at 175. I could give a flying, you know, you know what but against Beevil, that's that's a real deal if canelo beats Beevil and there's no shenanigans there's, there's no nonsense uh he, he actually beats him uh fair and square then man that that's that's significant that's a really really good win for canelo that would be one of his top wins i really really mean that and then okay so some of you guys May not love the Canelo Triple G three fight that's going to we're going to get in September, but you have to remember several things. And let's talk about this for a second because, of course, now there's people that are pissed off that Canelo isn't going to take the PBC deal, but there's multiple reasons for this, okay? The big prize for Canelo and for DAZN, if we're being honest in match room, okay, is the third fight between Canelo and Golovkin. And a lot of you guys out there saying, I don't care. I'm so burnt out on that matchup, you know? Oh my God, all the drama between the two of them. I don't want to see it. Golovkin's passed his best years. Canelo's going to mop the floor with him now, right? That's that's all the same things I'm hearing. I understand all that. Trust me. I, I, I get it. But guys, between 154 pounds and 175 pounds, that's four divisions, right? 54, 60, 68, 75. That's four divisions. Who are the two biggest names? In those four divisions. Hell, we could even, we could go, we could expand it. Okay, we could go, it's beyond those four divisions, actually, because I'm just thinking to myself, these guys are bigger names than anybody at welterweight, junior welterweight, lightweight. I mean, we can keep going. Canelo and Golovkin are two of the biggest names in the sport, especially Canelo, obviously. But Golovkin is still, globally, he's probably still a top five brand. If you're talking about, Active fighters. I'm not including Floyd and Manny in that. Okay. I don't consider them active fighters. I know Floyd was probably going to come back and do another exhibition. Forget them. I'm talking about actual active fighters from this generation. Golovkin's probably still a top five brand globally. He's about to fight Ryota Murata in Japan. That fight will do massive numbers. It will do tens of millions of viewers in that country alone. Okay. Just in one country. Globally, it could be $100 I, 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 That sounds nuts. I get it. It sounds nuts. But if you start thinking about it, if you're getting tens of millions in Japan alone and you start whacking up the, the international numbers, the money, all of that, guys, that's huge. And if Golovkin looks good and that's a good fight and he technically unifies middleweight belts, he knocks off some rust, et cetera, et cetera, and then you have... Canelo moving up to 75, fighting a legit 75 title holder. Again, this isn't a compromised shot to shit, Sergey Kovalev. This isn't any anything like that. This is probably the second best light heavyweight in the world. If Canelo beats him, guys, the demand for, for these two to fight each other again, Canelo and Golovkin, it will be there. Further, further, when you look at this deal with Canelo, Bevel, Golovkin, Matchroom, zone. Okay, let's compare that to the Canelo, Charlo, Benavidez, PBC deal, right? Which of the two has more infrastructure and visibility domestically in, uni- in the United States? zone pay per view or PBC pay per view, which would be Fox pay per view? Well, obviously, it's PBC. Globally or uh, domestically in the United States, it's PBC right we We know this. I don't think anyone would debate that, but globally, globally, which of those two platforms, those two conglomerates, if you will, has a bigger uh platform globally better infrastructure for the global marketplace? Well, that's obviously the zone. It's in over a hundred plus countries, right? And you Beevil is from Russia. And uh, Golovkin, of course, we know all about him and where he's from, and like the, the international audience, the global audience he brings. Obviously, Canelo's from Mexico, so you start doing the math here, you start adding up all of that. I think there's way more upside financially, guaranteed money, as well as back end upside for the, the zone deal because it includes that third fight with Golovkin. Again, it's not just Beevil, Beevil's kind of a the means to the end to get to that third Golovkin fight. Not that Canelo needs it. He doesn't. But you know who needs it really, really, really bad? The zone. They have lost billions of dollars globally in the last few years because all they've been doing is buying, 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 buying. Just gobbling shit up, right? Without even really even thinking about um getting money back. You know, it, it, I guess it, it will come, but they have lost tons of money, and to zone boxing in terms of their spending and their finances, their financial responsibility, it's been an unmitigated disaster recently. COVID didn't help. They were actually doing okay. They were really, really gaining momentum in 20. They had a really good 2019. And then COVID just poof, right? And their guarantees with Canelo, Golovkin, all that stuff had to be restructured. But this fight is going to get those subscribers and and it's going to get them a pay per view sale. Now let's talk about that real quick. Uh, pay per view, DAZN pay per view. That sucks. It sucks, and and I'm not happy about it. Okay. But what we don't know is what they're going to charge. What I would what I would like to see DAZN do. And I, I look, if they're throwing out the amount of money that they're throwing out, if it, it's going to cost them over a hundred million dollars to do these two fights, most of it is the Canelo-Golovkin fight, right? They're going to have to go pay-per-view. If you just look at the finances. Th- guys, this isn't this isn't Gervonta Davis fighting Isaac Cruz and they're charging $80 for that. That fight should never have been on pay-per-view. There's zero justification, and there's plenty more that I could talk about, right, that should have never been on pay-per-view. But Canelo-Golovkin... The casual fan, the casual audience will be involved. The mainstream sports media will be involved in that fight. And the global audience for that is going to be massive. So I understand why that's pay-per-view. Now, if Golovkin Murata was pay-per-view here in America, I'd be shitting down the Zone's throat right now. But it's not. Anyway, here's what I want to see the Zone do. For annual subscribers that pay the hundred bucks that have been loyal to the zone that have paid 100 dollars in 2020 where they didn't get shit for that hundred dollars, right the, the people that have remained annual subscribers to the zone you should get a break on the pay-per-view if the pay-per-view is 60 bucks and you're a subscriber, you should get it for 30 or 40 bucks. you should get a break if subscribers have to pay the same amount that non-subscribers have to pay well what's the point of being a subscriber? And I'm putting it on the record right now. I will cancel my subscription instantly if they do that. And I'll put it on the record. I will screenshot it and I will tweet it out. If DAZN charges me, a guy who has been a subscriber, an annual subscriber since they launched, if they charge me the same amount of money they're charging non-subscribers, I will cancel my account. I will screenshot it out and I will tag the entire DAZN staff on those tweets. I'm putting it on record right here. You guys can hold me to it. I'm hoping DAZN is smarter than that. And they provide an incentive for people to subscribe to their platform. Because paying $100 a year compared to the almost $1,000 a year you have to pay uh, to be a fan of other platforms, uh, it's still a great deal. It's a great deal. But if this pay-per-view is $80, if I got to pay $100 and then I got to pay $80 for Canelo Beevil. And $80 for Canelo Golovkin three, that's insane, man. That's crazy. Now, if you're a non-subscriber, hey, I, I can't hate on that price. You, you guys are out there paying for, you're paying $80, again, for Javante Davis and Isaac Cruz. So you're going to get Canelo Alvarez, the undisputed super middleweight champion fighting the number two light heavyweight in the world, Dimitri Bevel. Uh, you're going to have to pay the same amount you paid for Tank Davis, Isaac Cruz, I think that's that's not a bad deal for you. But if you're a subscriber to the zone, you shouldn't have to pay that. And by the way, even for non-subscribers, if I'm the zone, I'm not charging $80. I'm charging maybe 60. I'm I'm somehow finding a way to keep an edge against ESPN's pay-per-views, Fox's and Showtime's pay-per-views, because they, they want to charge 75-80 bucks. Okay, we're gonna charge 60. If you're a subscriber, 40, that is how the zone could keep an edge. And, you know, yeah, you went back on your promise that pay-per-view is done, you know, because that was a stupid thing to say, especially at that time when your books weren't quite matching up. uh, So that was bad marketing on their, their part. But if you still got the fights, people will show up. If you price things accordingly, boxing fans support boxing when it's a value for them. So I'm hoping the zone listens to guys like me, uh, guys like you all watching this, because if they do, then I think they'll have a a successful run with these fights and they, they need it. They had a really, really rough 2020 and 2021. They could use this one. They really, really could super chat pledge from Sam. Thank you so much, Sam. He says ESPN plus charges full pay-per-view to members. Um, I don't know about that. I want to say they've done UFC pay-per-views that were a discount in boxing pay-per-views that were a discount, right? Or I know that they, they had a deal where like you had to pay the full price, but you got an annual subscription to ESPN plus or something that went along with your pay-per-view purchase. Correct me if I'm uh, wrong guys, but I thought ESPN did something like that at least once. It may, maybe I'm forgetting, maybe I'm forgetting, but I swear, They had some kind of deal where if you buy this pay-per-view, you get an annual subscription to ESPN plus along with it. So it kind of paid for itself. Things like that are smart. And as we move off of TV, off of cable and network TV and media is, uh, the people that are saying, oh man, I don't want to fight on an app or I don't want my show or my movie on an app. Well, you're dumb because that's where the media is going. It's going to streaming. If you fox and espn and even like showtime hbo they're a freaking dinosaur man 20 30 years from now it, they'll they'll feel like the way am radio feels to us our generation right our parents and grandparents still watch the nightly news in their local community right what what do we do we pick up our phone did you do, do, do oh, i got the weather right here you know my mom watches the news at night i'm like ma what the fuck I want to know, is it going to rain tomorrow? I'm like, man, just pick up your phone. (laughs) There's an app. It'll tell you right now, by the hour, by the minute, how much precipitation you're going to get. Who cares about the local news, right? So it's a generational thing. As media gets off of TV and goes on to streaming and goes on to applications, the people who have built in that infrastructure and they've built in um, a base, a customer base, and, and a way to market to them. You know, to get them to be loyal and subscribe, that's where it's going to be at. That's where it's going to be at. <sighs> All right. Uh, you know what? I wanted to share a poll with you guys. I'm, I'm kind of going to be random and skip around today. But because um, I, I find this to be interesting. Uh, we, so April is going to be stacked, particularly mid to late April is going to be pretty stacked. The schedule. And I tweeted about that, I, you know, one of my world famous polls. <laughs> uh, I said, which fight are you looking forward to the most? And I got Spence, Ugas, which is April 16, Fury versus White, which is 423. And then Taylor, Serrano, Stevenson, Valdez, that are both April 30th. And it's actually closer than I thought. I thought maybe one of these would like run away with it. But um, Fury, White and Stevenson, Valdez are tied like neck and neck, 33% each. And then, so one third for Fury White, one third for Stevenson Valdez, and then the other third is split between uh, Spence Ugas and Taylor Serrano. What's interesting to me about this is two of these fights are pay-per-view and they're still holding up pretty well. The other two are regular TV, right? Or regular, I think Taylor Serrano's DAZN, regular DAZN, and then Stevenson Valdez is regular ESPN, which is cable, but not premium cable. So uh, the other two are pay-per-view. And Fury versus White being pay-per-view in the United States, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that. I think that's bad news. I think, uh, and then Spence Ugas to me is not a pay-per-view worthy fight either. Um, it's two top-five welterweights, but Spence is coming off a long-ass layoff. I just think it'd be better served on Fox. I think it'd do a big rating on Fox. But I get why that one's pay-per-view. I do. Fury versus White, though, man, that should not be a pay-per-view in the United States. I, does that get a hundred thousand buys? Maybe, maybe in the United States. And I guess they're looking at it like shit, that's what $8 million of extra revenue. So maybe that's just the way they're looking at it. Uh, but of course that's going to do massive, massive numbers over in the UK. But I thought this is interesting, man. So if you guys have not voted in this poll yet, uh, it's up till tomorrow. So get in there and vote. Let me know what you think, but also wanted to, um, show you guys this while I'm sharing my screen here, as I love to do now. Uh, Let's look up Taylor Catterall hashtag because uh, check out this. uh, Now, hopefully I don't, my my show doesn't get banned again like it did last week because some dickhead at the zone reported me for showing clips promoting their fight. But here's uh, the weigh-in Josh Taylor and Jack Catterall getting in each other's face and Catterall grabs taylor's neck and then taylor grabbed him back so i gotta say you know a lot of people are saying man you know taylor is so fiery and such a dick and man yo it was who put his hands on him first so <laughs> but he choked he tried to choke him and taylor's choke was way better it was brief i am going to see if i could find a picture of it because um I, I tweeted it out i just got to find it but uh Oh, man. Oh, here, here we go. <laughs> I found it. <laughs> Check this out, yo. This is a great photo. Look at this, man. Uh, I, want, I, I wonder if Mikey caught this. My boy, Mikey, he's a photography for, um, for, for, for top rank. He's a photographer for them. Travels all over and takes pictures, but I don't know if he's there for this one. Maybe, maybe not, but he gets great shots. Either way, this was awesome. Right in the moment where Taylor grabbed him back, and that's a way better choke than Caderal's choke. Caterall is kind—it of, was kind of a a slap choke. But as you can see, Taylor's getting right up in there, and I'm just—I'm looking at the picture right, and I'm—he like is pushing skin back and getting right to that jugular vein. <laughs> so that was a good choke. That so this is a, a great picture here. Uh, this is gonna be heated. It's gonna be fun. A lot of people saying that Taylor just mops the floor and dominates. I actually think this is going to be competitive uh for a little while because um has got some craft to him and he hasn't lost so so I just think those kinds of things matter. And but I do expect also Taylor hasn't been active. You know, all those things matter. It, it is tough for him to make 140. It's getting harder and harder for him to make 140. But I still think in the second half of the fight, middle, mid rounds to late rounds, um, Taylor takes over. And we could see a late stoppage in this fight um, or wide decision. But uh, I had to show you guys that because, holy shit, that's just hilarious, man. All right, let me stop sharing my screen there. I want to get on another topic real quick. Um, so so this week, man, boxing Twitter. Oh, let me fix my chain here. man. That's not right. There we go boxing Twitter this week was just bad and it wasn't just the typical idiots, but it was actually some fighters getting involved and Andre Ward was asked, and I'm not even going to pull up his tweet uh, and show all that, but he was asked, um, you know, which fights did you not get to do that? You regret, you know, is there any fights that fell through that, you, you know, again, I'm paraphrasing here, but and he brought up several fights. He brought up Anthony Joshua, which is hilarious because he said he wanted to do one heavyweight fight. Yeah. Andre Ward isn't going to fight Anthony Joshua. That's, that's insane. But um, he brought up Gennady Golovkin. And he said that, uh, you know, that we made that offer and Golovkin rejected it in five minutes. Guys, that is absolutely false. Okay? I, I just, I, there's some things I could say on the record. There's some things I can't say on the record. But just trust me. That is an absolute lie from Andre Ward. And I don't know why he had to do that. He could have just said, yeah, it would have been cool to fight Golovkin. But, you know, the timing and everything, you know, it just didn't work out. That's all you got to say. But to, to, to act like you made an offer and your side put an offer out there and Golovkin's side rejected it. And this is a narrative that, that has been spit out for years now. That is just unequivocally false never happened. Okay. And I invite you guys to, uh, you guys that remember me back from the Undisputed Champion Network. Don't take my word for it. Just, just go to that channel. We did an episode of 10 count with Tom Loeffler during that time. I want to say this was 2015. It might've been early 2016. Don't, don't quote me. I can't remember if it was 15 or 16, but it was right around that time. And, um, I, I asked Loeffler, I think I hosted that uh, that episode. I can't. I may not have. I can't remember. I just know. I I think it was me, Tom, and maybe Doug Fisher on that episode. But just search for it; you'll find it. And you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. If I don't remember exact details here, but I asked Tom Loeffler point blank: "What's up with Andre Ward? What happened there?" And he explained that basically what happened is again, I'm paraphrasing here, loosely, but. Um, Dan Raphael, back when he was on the beat with ESPN, still was talking to Tom Loeffler and they were going back over email or text or whatever it was. They weren't even on the phone or anything. It was they were typing, so it was either email or text. And um, he, they were just Raphael was just asking questions, just doing what media guys do, just spitballing stuff and asking questions. Andre Ward's name came up, and Loeffler said, um, "Again, I don't want to I don't want to state this incorrectly, but basically." Uh, we would fight him at this weight or whatever, you know what I'm saying? But it'd have to be under these conditions. This is how we'd want to do it, blah blah blah. But sure, we'd be willing to fight him, but it'd have to be boom boom boom. I, these are our conditions. Is basically what Lawler said, and it, it wasn't negotiations. It was a back and forth. I I texted Tom Lawler yesterday. We were texting back and forth. So, um, you know, that's what we do. I we we guys in the media, if you have sources, you text with them, you chat with them, you might. Twitter DM them. There's several promoters and fighters and stuff that I talk to all week long, guys, okay? Um, Different days or different guys, different days, different weeks. It's not the same guy every time. But we talk to each other, right? It's a small world. So when there's news to talk about and stuff, you know, it's like, hey, man, what's going on with this? What's going on with that? You know, and you, you try to get some answers. You try to just sniff around for some info. And that's all Raphael was doing. And Loeffler, again, basically said, and I'm paraphrasing, this is not a quote, but sh- yeah, we'll, we'll absolutely fight Ward. But here's the conditions. Boom, boom, boom. And Raphael kind of reported that out in the media, almost like it's a story, which I've talked to you guys about this before. Uh, certain writers and stuff do that. And I think that, and, and Raphael's got a lot better about that. But there's certain other ones now that are kind of infamous for doing this, right? Sources and so, and there's several guys that do this, but, um, you know, I, I always keep that stuff. Completely off the record. I just don't put it out there. I keep that between me and the individual. And that's that. I'm a steel trap with that stuff. But anyway, that kind of got reported as news. And there are still people out there that take that as like fight negotiations taking place and an offer being presented. And, you know, numbers were being talked about and HBO got involved. None of that ever happened. None of it ever happened. Never. And by the time anybody from Ward's camp actually reached out to Golovkin's camp, because I do think there was an eventual reach out. I'm not talking about an offer like, hey, here's a contract. Here's an 18-page deal. You sign this. Look this over. Have your lawyers look at it. Sign it. We're good. No, I'm just talking about, hey, man, type, type, type on my cell. Let me text you. What do you think about this? I'm talking about that kind of that level, okay? This is like just scratching the surface. By the time that even took place, it was late 2015 and Golovkin had signed and announced that he was going to fight David the Mew. Okay. That was already a done deal. So this whole, Oh, we made an offer. It never happened. And by the way, but before there was any contact between camps, it was already known that Golovkin had a fight. So I just want to make sure I get the date, right? Let me look this up real quick. It was, October 17, 2015, that's when Golovkin fought uh, David Lemieux, right? So Andre Ward didn't fight until the next year, until March of 2016 when he fought Sullivan Barrera. I want to back up, though, just a couple years here to give you guys a little further perspective on this because this narrative continues to get pushed from certain segments of the boxing community. And I tweeted that yesterday. And of course people took the word certain segments and they made that some kind of dog whistle or hidden meaning. I wasn't talking about any particular ethnic group or social group of people or nationality or anything else. I just meant certain segments of the boxing community, certain uh, YouTube channels, certain Twitter accounts continue to push this narrative. It's not a specific group of people. It's just certain guys that push this narrative. And and I went back and forth on Twitter with several of these guys yesterday. And they're so ignorant. They just do not know what they're talking about. They do not have the information. But they think they do because they've been told by people that they trust. And they think, oh, this is legit. They have no idea what the hell they're talking about. So just to back this up and just add a little more perspective to this, okay? And then I'll I'll get a couple calls. but. Gennady Golovkin first came to the United States, and I can't believe I'm having to repeat this, but he came to the United States. First fight here was in 2012. That was against Gregor's Proxa. He was supposed to fight uh, Dmitry Pirog. Nobody wanted to fight Pirog. Golovkin said, yeah, I'll do it, short money. And and remember, Golovkin had a belt. And he said, I'll do it. I'll take short money. I'll fight this guy that nobody else wants to fight. Just get me on American TV. Okay, a couple hundred thousand dollars. Cool, we're in, right? He would have did it. But uh, Pirol got injured. Golovkin ends up fighting Proxa. A couple of years before that, if you look at Golovkin's resume, he had fought in Ukraine, Germany, uh, Panama, Kazakhstan. He kind of was fighting all over the place. That's because he was going through litigation with the German promoters that were boxing him out. He was supposed to fight Felix Sturm, who had the super belt, the WBA super, Golovkin had the WBA regular, the WBA and the German pro- promoters colluded, they were corrupt, and they did not give Golovkin that fight. And he got sick of waiting and said, "Screw this." He sued the promotion and re- ended up relocating to America. You guys know the whole story there. For his first now, while he was going through that litigation, he was making just enough money to pay his people. Basically, Golovkin was fighting for free. This guy had a world title belt, and for a couple of years was baking, making just enough money because of where he had to fight. He couldn't fight in Germany, and he couldn't fight in America. I think that was part of the litigation, um, th- those two countries specifically. But he uh, made just enough money to pay his team for camp and, and all that stuff. He's basically fighting for free. Then he gets to America, and he's making nowhere near half a million. Okay, He's, he's in the six figures, but it's not even half a million. He didn't make anywhere near a million dollars. Until late 2014, when he fought Marco Antonio Rubio, I want to say Golovkin made nine hundred thousand dollars. I think it was his next fight in 2015 against Martin Murray, where he made a million for the first time. I just I bring all this up because I want you guys to understand this is when Golovkin was fighting three four times a year, building up his brand, okay, and becoming a name. It really wasn't until 2015 where Golovkin was really starting to be seen as a top guy, and he. Ended up unifying belts, right? He got a mandatory position with the Rubio fight late 2014 uh, with the WBC. And Canelo ended up winning that belt off of Cotto. Canelo won no part of a prime Golovkin. This is when Canelo was still with Golden Boy. They wanted none of that. Oscar and the whole crew, Eric Gomez, were like, he's all wrong for us, baby. No, we're staying away. They dumped that BC belt. Remember all that? And then so Golovkin ends up unifying belts in 2015 really becomes a name and becomes a guy seen as the top middleweight in the sport. And at that time, by 2015 when Canelo had beat Cotto, cause Cotto had gotten the lineal middleweight belt, right? When he beat, um, when he beat Sergio Martinez, even though it was at this weird catch weight and Canelo stayed at this weird catch weight, they started calling it Canelo weight on Twitter. Everyone looked at it and said, dude, I want Golovkin, I want Canelo in the ring. That's the fight. And the fans started really, really buzzing for that fight. It took two years to get it to finally happen, but it started in 2015, okay? When apparently these talks between Andre Ward and Gennady Golovkin were supposed to happen, they never, never happened. But just to put things in perspective, okay? Andre Ward fought once in 2012. That was at 168 against Chad Dawson. He fought once about 14 months later against Edwin Rodriguez in 2013. That was his last fight at 168. So 2013 onward, Andre Ward was a light heavyweight. Golovkin was at 160. Ward was a light heavyweight. Uh, Ward did not fight in 2014. Finally gets a fight in 2015 against Paul Smith. And the only reason he got to fight is because His former promoter, uh, Goosen, died and the family, released him from his contract, this, that, the other. I could go into that for an hour and that whole debacle. But uh, Ward had been a chronically inactive fighter. He was sitting on his butt during most of his prime because of that contract dispute. And again, last fight at 168 was 2013, did not fight in 2014 fought once in 2015. It was the summer of 2015, right, against Paul Smith, and that was at 175, comes back in 2016, and for the remainder of his career, fights at 175. Google, guys, just go out there and Google. There are plenty of interviews where Andre Ward says, I can't make 168. I'm not going back down. That would be hard for me to make 168. So unless people are expecting Gennady Golovkin to move from 160 to 175, to fight Andre Ward, by the time that fight would have been had any relevance at all, right? It, it couldn't have happened because Ward was not going to move down to 68. Golovkin didn't want to move up to 68 because he wanted to fight with Canelo at 60 because the fight with Canelo was way bigger, way more substantial than the fight against Andre Ward. One final note on this, okay? So I could just put this on the record because I am sick and tired of this narrative being spun. And people just, do not have the facts and information. Um, <clears throat> God damn it. Now I just fucked my head up because I was, what was I going to say? I just forgot what I was going to say. I saw a couple super chats. Anyway, I'll, it'll come back to me. Let me get to these super chats. Uh, OJ with the super chat. Thank you so much, OJ. I appreciate that. He says, what if Triple G loses to Murata or even gets KO'd? Is the Canelo fight still going to happen? Great question. He adds uh, triple G could get old overnight. That would take the interest out of the Canelo fights. I hope the trilogy is good. Outstanding question. I guess it's stipulated in the contract that for Canelo and Golovkin to fight for the third time, they both have to win their next fight. So it doesn't matter if they win by a point. It doesn't matter if they win by knockout, they have to win. Golovkin has to beat Murata. Canelo has to beat Beevil. If they don't, that second fight ain't happening. What's smart about that is the zone's not on the hook. <laughs> Both men have to do their part. And if they don't, then the zone's not on the hook for that massive payday in September. So DeZone's finally starting to get a little smarter about these things. It's it's taken them a while. It has taken them a while. Deed with the super chat. Thank you so much, Deed. He says, Do you think Josh Taylor will make it to 154? He has the frame to be a big welterweight already. And he might outgrow that weight class real fast. I don't know, dude. I don't know about 54. And here's why I say that. Josh Taylor's in his 30s. I want to make sure I get the right age. Uh, He's got to be 31. Yeah, he's 31. 31 years old. So, So look, if he was 25 and built this way, yes. But at 31, if he's still able to make 140, then that means I really, really feel he could be making 147 in his mid 30s. I think it's very very possible he does do maybe a couple fights at 154 if he fights on past like 35 years of age or something if he gets into his late 30s sure. But I don't think he's going to need to be at 54 anytime soon. I mean he just made 140. He looks gaunt. His his face looks sunken in when he makes 140, but he makes it, right? So at 31 if he's making that weight then that tells me at 32, 33, 34, he's going to make 47 okay. Now, again, if he fights on past that, yeah, maybe he goes to 54, and he'll be competitive, but he's going to really, really lack power and explosiveness in that division. It, he, it's going to be a struggle for him at welterweight, honestly. He's he's mean, and he's got that that dog in him and everything, but he's he doesn't have that one-punch KO power and explosiveness And that might cost him at 47. It would cost him dearly at 154. But he does have skills, so he'll definitely compete. That is for sure. All right, man. Now I wanted to make one other point about this Ward and Golovkin thing, and I just freaking forgot, man. (sighs) It just drives me nuts that people go with this narrative when there's just zero truth to it. Um, But again, I do think it's worth noting that you know it's. Another thing I saw on Twitter this week, people saying, well, Canelo moved up and he's fought the guys at 68. And he's, you know, Golovkin's never moved up. He's a chump because he stayed at 160 his whole career. And I answered this one kid. I'm like, well, then is Marvin Hagler a chump? Because Marvin Hagler fought at 160 for his whole career. He never moved up. There's a million fighters I can point to that stayed in one division for their entire career. And what's, what's wrong with that? Um, you, you know, Canelo did move up and fight at 68, but did he fight anybody in the same stratosphere as Andre Ward? No. None of these guys at 168 right now are anywhere or, you know, half as good as Andre Ward or Joe Calzaghi or even Carl Frotch or Mikel Kessler. They're not. None of them are. So, yeah, Canelo did move up and fight them. But guys, look at who we fought and put it in perspective, trying to compare, you know, Golovkin moving from 60 to 75 to fight Ward, or maybe 172 or something, because Ward wouldn't didn't want to go back down to 68. Comparing that to Canelo fighting Callum Smith and Avni Yildirim and stuff, guys, pump the brakes. Uh, then that being said, I give Canelo tremendous credit, but much different career and Canelo's younger, doing this at a younger age than Canelo, or I'm sorry, Golovkin would have been uh, moving up. So I, I just, you know, two different things, man, two very very different things. <clears throat> earl garcia says brain fart it happens yeah man I'll tell you guys i mean it, it's been a heavy heavy week and i'm just kind of worn out just from all the drama going on you know talking to everybody about what's going on overseas uh because again for those of you just getting on uh, on the chat i mean you know this this affects this hits home with my family on uh, my mother's side of the family and it hits home in the boxing community and uh several people that i know from that part of the world in the boxing community that I talk to regularly, people that I used to train with back out in LA and stuff, uh, been affected by this. Uh, someone I used to train with had, uh, family members that were, uh, uh, captured, I guess. I, I don't know what other word you could use. They were, they were captured. Uh, apparently they, they got away and they escaped, but I mean, there's some crazy shit going on right now, man, over there. So, um, all right, let's, let's take a few phone calls. All right. I think this is Thad here. Thad, what's going on, my man? Yeah, Thad to the rescue. I think I'm
1: filling some blanks for you with this, the <laughs> whole Golovkin and work. Yeah. Day. Yeah. Help me out, uh, man. My brain that, just yeah. died here. <laughs> <laughs> before, before that, no, no politics, but I got to say my prayers and my thoughts and actions are with the Klitschko brothers, Yusik, Postal, Lomachenko, all the uh, Ukrainian people, I'm with you, believe me. I'm blood, and, uh, and, you, and you're showing the world what, what true warriors are. So uh, let's get back to boxing. This is, the, uh, this is cathartic today, and my yeah. favorite topic is Ward Golovkin because over, over these years, this has been a pain point, point. and I think what you're missing is when uh, Golovkin, he was trying to get the Floyd fight at 154. He actually yeah. challenged Floyd at 54 for Floyd's two belts, Floyd had two belts at that weight, the WBC and WBA, after he beat Canelo and Cotto. So Floyd said, no, you got to fight Andre Ward first. You got to move to 175. That's where all that hubble came from.
0: You know what, Fad? You just, up said, uh, you just reminded me of what the hell I was thinking of. I was going to talk about the, yeah, the yeah. fifth. We'll fight anybody between 54 and 68 thing right. that the haters bring up. So if you could allude to that, because they said that once. Yeah. I think it was Abel Sanchez said it. And it was like in 2012 when Golovkin was trying to establish You're himself. Right. So that's what I was trying to yeah. think of before. You just jolted my brain back to life. Thank you, sir.
1: It's all it took. And and Carl and Frotch was the fight that they wanted at 68. And yes. that's when Abel made that comment. Yeah. So, And then Ward, he hadn't fought in uh, 14 and 15, so he used that clout. Well, uh, upon his moving up to 75 to say, yeah, I'd fight Golovkin. He basically stole the guy's thunder, uh, because nobody really gave to thought. It was a he, promotional he was thing pictures. with
0: HBO. Yes.
1: A hundred percent. Yes. A hundred percent. And, and a couple reporters came and, and, um, barnstorm Golovkin when he was promoting the fight for Lemieux. And at this point, Golovkin was learning English. It was his sixth language at the time. That's amazing. I mean, and, uh, they asked him the question about Andre Ward and he struggled. And now I know because my girlfriend was uh, Brazilian and I learned Portuguese, but I could only understand a few contexts and I had a hard time responding in the language. I could respond in English, but Golovkin responded in in English uh, to a foreign language. And and he, and he wasn't, he was choppy. His, his words were lost in translation. He said, and the word too much, too much right now, too much for, for me. He basically was meaning, no, I, I'm fighting Lemieux. I don't want to talk about that. He was mm-hmm. trying to communicate that. And all these these mouth breathers took that as a literal context to say, oh, Golovkin said Ward was too much. And they had their little fun with it because basically they had no fighters that could beat Gennady Golovkin. So that was kind of their silver lining of sorts. And it was just funny because they they all hated Andre Ward, those, these same people. And all of a sudden, they started embracing Andre Ward when he got with Jay-Z. And uh, <laughs> I find that uh, quite entertaining. And maybe that could be a subject for another day <laughs> with these uh, talking heads. But uh, like I said, I, I love this uh, conversation because A, it was a fight that probably never would have happened because of the the, the sheer weight difference. Yes. And, and B, the timeline. So for people to keep bringing it up, it's just, it's funny. But they have to know the facts, and you laid it out. You laid out the facts, and you're right. Ward ended up incriminating himself. It, like basically, if Andre Ward was on the stand and he made statements uh, in front of a grand jury, and he was now he he didn't plead the fifth, and what he said, basically, in interviews later on, that I couldn't make 168, 175 is difficult to make. I right. saw that interview. Yeah, because he, he talked about he doing a heavyweight a- fight. I remember that. Right. Yeah, he said, I can't make one seventy five anymore. It's very difficult. So how the hell was he gonna make sixty-eight to fight Golovkin? He perjured himself, <laughs> in other words. He had no intention of fighting Golovkin at sixty-eight. It was it was just it was all propaganda. Then why does and he still bring it up, Fred? Right?
0: Why why does he still bring it up? Because
1: because his okay, Andre Ward is a narcissistic sociopath. <laughs> I know those are strong words, but mentally, this guy from his childhood growing up, I know he had he was a from a multi-race family, his father was white, his mother was black. That was very difficult in Oakland. I think a lot of it stems from the fact he was not accepted by both people. And I think he's very jealous of Golovkin and a lot of these Eastern European fighters that are coming over America getting the fanfare getting the the respect of the american fan base and it's because of their boxing styles it's because of how they carry themselves it has nothing to do with the race and i think ward is so tied up in that with jay-z and all the crap that he put into his head because andre ward was a different guy before jay-z got his mitts on him and paid him all that money to become his mouthpiece and that's another story for another day but with ward's career and this is I don't like Andre Ward as a person and it sometimes blurs the lines on his fighting ability to me, but I will say this. Yeah. He fought a lot of guys, but he drained Andre, um, Chad Dawson from 75. He made him fight him at 68. And after that, after that, Dawson was, was obliterated. He was not the same fighter. John Scully said in an interview, he should not have been fighting at 68. He was so dehydrated, but Andre Ward didn't want to move up to 75 at that point. Okay, He played that strategy role. A lot of his fights were like that with Kovalev. In the rematch, they had a signed contract. But Ward said, no, I want it rewritten right. because I want to announce when the fight's going to be. And the reason why he did that was because he wanted to piss clean. He, he wanted to make sure that he could control the narrative and control when the fight is announced. Because that's when Vada gets involved. And Kovalev's team, they said, well, we only had 60 days of Vada. We wanted 90 now we had to settle for this because this guy delayed the rematch that long. If you remember, it was supposed to be the rematch in March and it was you know, postponed till June because of Ward and his antics. And that's why I have no respect for Ward on top of the fact when he fought Mikel Kessler in Oakland and the referee, and I think it was Jack Reese, who's a great referee. I think um, he was headbutted deliberately on multiple occasions. And Al Bernstein said, Boy, on the replay, boy, Andre Ward came in like a billy goat on that one, literally lowered his head, deliberately headbutting Kessler, cutting his eyes, and Kessler was never the same after that fight. His eyes were damaged to the point where his vision was compromised, and Andre Ward got away with that. And that was the type of man and fighter he was. He was very dirty, and he was never held accountable. Those fights he should have been disqualified in versus Kessler and Kovalev in the both fights. So, yeah, I have a bone to pick with Andre Ward, and that's why. has nothing to do with anything else. I, I just think the guy's a fraud. I really do. And what he did with Golovkin this week just shows the insecurity in a, in a grown man. I'm, I mean, this guy's like 35, and, and he still holds that grudge. That, in, in essence, shows my contempt for Andre Ward and why I'm right about Andre Ward, just from what he did this week. So I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you responded to these mouth breathers on Twitter that are running their mouths without knowing the facts. And you know what? You could show them facts. They're just
0: going to believe what they want to believe. That's so true. I showed the timeline. I talked about what happened. I did not interject any personal opinions. Yeah. I just gave it the, and they still don't care. One guy responded to me and he said yeah. that Goddard Glove can bankrupt HBO. And like, what the hell? Where do you get that from? He was one of the most profitable wow. fighters of HBO Boxing in the last few years. Wow. You want to talk about somebody bankrupting someone? Andre Ward bankrupted Rock Nation Boxing. <laughs> they, they lost did. their ass on those fights between him and uh, uh, Kodolaj. He, he paid him $5 million and got
1: his – I mean, he, he lost it
0: all on, on him. and, and
1: The only guy versus, they made money on uh,
0: was Kodo. They lost a ton of money. They, remember they overpaid Regandiao? yeah against the Canelo fight.
1: Yes. Oh yeah, they they one. made yeah. a
0: lot of money on that Rock fight. Rock Nation. But man, Rock Nation, what a disaster <laughs> they were. Oh my god.
1: They, yeah, and they wanted to offer they they almost on uh, offered Andre uh, Adrian Broner all that money and he turned it down like That's an idiot. That's right. But they almost got themselves yeah, they almost got uh, themselves in another pickle.
0: Broner Broner tur- and, man, and, and Broner those- taking that money. Oh my god. <laughs> he turned he did oh, he turned it down. What, what a financial
1: what a financial disaster and let it be known that HBO's last pay-per-view fight was Golovkin versus Canelo 2 and it did over a million buys and and people want to say that he bankrupted HBO it was insane. That's, you know that's just fantasy it's fantasy but uh, these people I'm just I, whatever we say is not going to it's not going to resonate in their minds they have their mindset they are yeah. a narcissist a malignant narcissist like it was pointed out by um, a lady friend of mine who's in this uh psychology business, that's what they are and, and there's no cure for it. And unfortunately, these are what the people want to believe. But at least, you know, boxing scribes can put it out there. It'd be a great article in Ring magazine. You yeah. know, just so it's on hard copy. <laughs> but Ward, yeah, Ward is he's a he's a dreamer. This guy is in a fantasy world and it has a lot to do with ego.
0: Yeah, but you know maybe what you feel that...
1: sorry for him a little.
0: Yeah. Well, so those of us in the industry that talk, you know, people talk behind the scenes. There's a lot of things I know about Andre Ward and his personal life and stuff that are directly against the son of God thing that he does publicly. Right. I got nothing against Ward as as a human being, but he is not this holier than thou Christian, super duper nice guy and does everything by the book. Not Mm -hmm. at all. Uh, Yeah. But there's just, He's always been insecure and had a very fragile ego. And what I don't understand is I I think he's doing a great job as a commentator. I think he's transitioned into that role very well. I think he does a good job. I'm not saying he's great. He's not the best, but he does a good job better than other fighters who are doing it right now. Uh, Certainly better than Lennox Lewis and guys like that. And just be yeah. happy with what you're doing now, dude. you're and, and again, full disclosure. I voted for Ward in the Hall of Fame. I voted for him. I thought he was I a know hall. You did. <laughs> I, know, I know I know you hate that, but yeah, I thought, listen, yeah. <laughs> guy was an Olympic gold medalist, and regardless of how he got there, he was the legit champ in two divisions, I put him in, and I'm, I wasn't the only one. I mean, he was going to get in with my vote or not. but well,
1: right. um right, exactly.
0: He, he's, he's a Hall of famer now. He's a commentator. He's got millions of dollars. Why is he still so bitter and angry in bringing this shit yeah. up? It doesn't make sense. Yeah.
1: And it's that answer. It's, he still holds a grudge. He, he knows deep down he wasn't a better man than Golovkin. And, and this is his only cathartic way to express those feelings. And it's, it's, it's a man that has a very weak mind. He's very strong in the ring. He wrestles, and that's his style. He was a dirty fighter. He had no power, but he definitely knew how to wrestle you, hold you, foul you, do what he had to do to win. That's why he fought in Oakland all the time. He would never have gotten away with that anywhere else. And I think that holds, that, that holds in his mind that he wasn't the better man and he has to overcompensate. Mm. So, um, you know, it, it, it just goes to show that Andre Ward, he has a job. in in commentating and you know he does a good job he's very articulate you know he could think quickly that's something lennox lewis doesn't do he stutters he's he's a mumbler um you know he has good diction but he doesn't have he's not articulate he doesn't put it out there in expressive way like a paulie malignaggi
0: yeah he has no energy he doesn't get
1: fiery it sounds like lennox
0: is asleep
1: yeah it's monotone
0: i remember completely uh, monotone i just remember when lennox kept calling kelly Kelly when he was fighting oh, jimmy jim yeah. taylor and jim lampley corrected oh, it like three my. or four times during the fight and he kept calling him <laughs> and he just mispronounced his names and it's kind of fun you know oh, wow oh dude go back and find that wow, on youtube that he calls him Polzik like four times
1: <laughs> i was at the fight in atlantic City, oh first cool one. that was a class, all-time classic i didn't see the replay i don't think i did okay. it must have been the rematch that 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 Lennox was on because I don't remember seeing him at that fight. I think it was someone else maybe calling him. Maybe no, he was he was, he was, was on call the call the first one time. too
0: because he goes. Uh, I what think he okay. he got it right at one point because he said you know, Pavlik is a tough cookie from Youngstown. I remember that, but he kept calling him <laughs> Polvik <laughs> earlier on. It was oh hilarious.
1: my goodness!
0: Uh good shit.
1: Oh man, I t- yeah, that was a, a story for another day, but it was. Really nice talking to you, Mike. Uh, look forward to hearing what everyone else has to say. I know we All won't right, get man. another chance like this, but, uh, yeah, great stuff. Thank you. All
0: right, brother. Have a good weekend, man. You too. Yeah, Kelly Polvik. I'll never forget that. Uh, Carlos says, no one better than George Foreman is a commentator. I, I love big George. and He was great. He was great. And he was a guy that would put professionalism aside sometimes and just say it what needed to be said. And that's one thing I loved about George. Uh, what fight was it where he would, he literally got up, walked away from the table and was screaming at the ref, stop the fucking fight. I so sw- I don't, maybe he didn't swear, but he was screaming and you could hear him off the mic. You, you could hear like, uh, you know, he, he, you could just tell by the audio that he was several feet away from like Lampley and merchant, but he was like, stop the fight. Stop the fight. He was screaming. Like, I thought, you know, like, Big George was too real, and you know I liked I liked uh, Roy Jones commentary because his his little Southern expressions, you know, like "What a beard, son." With his little Roy has that little Southern accent going, and it's, it's just it's charming. You know what I'm saying? Like, and Roy's Roy's a cool guy too in person. Now there's a guy who's as huge as Roy Jones was. When you meet Roy in person, oh my God, is he humble and cool as shit? You never know. He was once the baddest man on the planet. When you meet him. Uh, Sam A with another super chat. Thank you, Sam. He says, Ward made $6 million in the second Kovalev fight, only 6,000 fans, and most of those were comps. I filmed Raheem uh, interview him. Oh, you filmed an interview for Raheem uh, after, and he had acne all over his back, never a big draw. Yeah, dude, there's – listen. I'm not going to get, again, a lot of this stuff is off the record. Andre, I have nothing against him as a human being. He takes care of his kids and his wife. He's a a very devout family man in that respect. But outside of that bubble, that dude would knife you in the street for a nickel. Uh, Just just not the guy he represents himself to be sometimes. All right. Back to the phones we go. Nacho. We know Nacho's got some opinions. What's up, Nacho?
2: Hey, Mike, what's up? Nothing much. Um, <clears throat> just really quick on the whole Ward thing, um, not necessarily on him. Well, no, it is kind of about him. Um, the other thing, too, is that I don't know if you've noticed, Mike, not only is he really quick to kind of pick on Golovkin and try to make it sound like Golovkin ducked him, he also has this um, habit of really going after uh, Canelo supporters When they bring up his name and, like, who he's fighting and, like, what he's doing in his career, it seems like he can't handle the fact that, like, people try to bring his name up with Canelo at the same time. So I agree with that. He just seems to have a really fragile uh, ego or psyche, whatever you want to call it. But he's a very fragile dude when it comes to stuff like that is it's just really tough to believe because like you said, Mike, the guy is a hall of famer. He's a gold medalist. He finished undefeated in his career and he's going to be a hall of famer. I don't understand why he feels so insecure when other people's names are brought up. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, head scratching to say the least. Um, and then, uh, I just kind of wanted to talk really quick about the fight. Um, uh, I think he should be Catterall. Um, You know, I like Catterall. He's a solid guy. But I just think Taylor's a a couple of notches above him as far as skills and, and, um, you know, boxing ability. So I'd like like Taylor to win that fight. I'm really curious to see the the Robisi-Ramirez fight against Eric Donovan. I think that kid's getting better every fight I've seen him since he got with uh, Ismael Salas as his trainer. I think he's gotten way better offensively. And I think his style has evolved from that typical Cuban amateur style to a more pro-friendly style. So I definitely want to see him uh, and see how he looks. Um, But I don't think that kid's that far away from being a contender to me at Featherway, Mike. I think a few more fights Mm. and he might be ready. I agree. The challenge for a title stuff. And then uh, with the other card, the Showtime card, um, I mean, those – those fights are okay. Um, I'm a little disappointed that Roger Gutierrez had to bow out because of COVID. I definitely would have liked to have seen him fought Chris Colbert. Mm-hmm. Cause I thought that was a really intriguing matchup. Uh, I don't know too much about the guy he's fighting now, Garcia. I mean, he's undefeated, but to be honest, I haven't seen anybody on his ledger that makes me think that he's a legit threat Colbert. So, you know, it is what it is. The fight that really kind of has me intrigued is the, uh, Gary Gary antoine Russell yeah the postal fight
0: that's a good fight, man that
2: fight is yeah, that's the fight that has me intrigued, but the only thing I'm worried about, Mike, is that postal gave an interview where he's basically saying as soon as the fight is over, he's trying to get back to the Ukraine because his wife and kids are like underground trying to oh avoid yeah the I think Marcos the hell's Villegas, going on right
0: now. was it Marcos the yeah. yeah, I saw that he looked yeah. like he was about to cry in that damn interview, man. He can't be. Yeah, a, a man, good so that kind of,
2: Yeah, so mentally I don't know how how into the fight he's going to be because of this whole situation, but I mean, I hope he he he, you know, goes out there and he puts on a fight cuz I definitely want to see uh Gary Antoine tested. I still haven't seen anybody test the kid, so I definitely would like to see a full talk and kind of make him answer uh some questions um in regard to that. And then um just uh, the only other thing was um, with uh, Ocoli, Mike, he's fighting on Sunday. Mm, what do right. you think of him as far as like um, being a, a legit threat at Cruiserweight? Because there's not a lot of guys in that division that I don't think he can beat. I mean, I think he's even better than Bredis at this point.
0: Yeah, Bradis is trying to get a fight with Jake Paul. <laughs> so, did, yeah. Did you see his little rap, yo? He posted a rap, uh, like a video. On Twitter, did yeah. you ever see that?
2: And then uh, apparently he got a tattoo yes. of him or some shit, too. <laughs> yeah. I don't I know. Like, Jesus. Dude. I don't know what's
0: going on with him, yeah. man. He's lost his damn mind. But he Lawrence O'Coley yeah is being brought up the right way. I actually think he's gonna fight very well uh this weekend, Sunday, and um impress mm-hmm. us against uh S-Siesleck, I think is the way it's supposed to be pronounced. But here's the thing with Seaslick, and I talked about this uh, Monday on TNC. He's lost once, and it was a distance fight against Macabu, And it was kind of like an eight rounds to four kind of fight, okay? I actually think mm. Ocoli's going to beat him much more dominant and, and, and maybe even stop him late. But um, I, I think Ocoli's oh, the goods, dude. Okay. I think he's the goods.
2: Uh, yeah, I think the. I think he's legit, and I'd like to see him eventually challenge Bradus and any of the other title holders in that division for sure because I think yeah. he's probably the best guy right now since Usyk left the division, in my opinion. So I definitely would like to see him face the other title holders and just kind of prove that he is the, the legit guy in that division, you know? Yeah. And then just uh last thing, Mike, did you bring up the uh, – the whole Casimiro story, because I just got on a little while ago. So no, I'm
0: curious if you I hadn't her. even talked about that. No. But guys, yeah, Nacho sent me a story where apparently, and you could talk more details about it, Nacho. But uh, apparently, Casimiro had a 17 year old girl sleeping in his bedroom with him, and just was this in the Philippines, Nacho? Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, it said in the article that the Philippine authorities are the ones that are charging him. Really, the only thing I could add, Mike, was like I told you on, the other day, they said that Casamero flew out of the Philippines because he knew the charges were coming. Yeah. So he's in the U.S. right now avoiding that whole situation. So, mm. yeah, I was just like, wow, I couldn't believe that. It's all that that whole story ended up being true. He, but yeah, As famous as he is, he had he told is.
0: The he, he's not Manny Pacquiao famous or anything, but he's got a name over there. Dude, find an 18-year-old girl. There's nothing wrong if you like younger women. Okay. My, my wife's younger than me. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But 17, yeah. what are you doing with a 17 year old in your bed, dumbass? But here's the thing, Nacho. Yeah. We'll no. know if he's guilty or not, because if he doesn't go back to the Philippines, that pretty much says it all. If he stays over here.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Tell, that says it all, yeah. right?
2: Yeah. If he, if he sets up shop here and never goes back, then yeah, we'll know that it was yep. legit for sure. Yep, yep. Cool. All right, Mike. That was my call.
0: All right, man. Have a good weekend, brother.
2: Hi, All you right. You too, man.
0: There he goes. All right, guys. We're going to take one more call here. We're going to go over to the UK. Let's see. We got uh, 203 on the line. What is up? Hello. Hello out there in the UK. Hello. Hello. You're getting a 10 count. Oh, hello? Uh, hold up. I heard somebody. What's up? Uh,
3: i right. Yeah. Hello? Yeah, you can hear
0: me. I okay, can I now. This
3: is, uh, this is John. Um, What's up, John? Yeah, okay, that's good. So, um, yeah, yeah, long time listener, first time uh, caller. Oh, cool. In fact, um, I started listening back when um, it was um, Rich Murata's Neutral Corner. What happened? Is this the same show? What? The Neutral Corner yeah. for
0: Boxing Monthly?
3: was Rich Murata, Ed? Yeah, you know Rich Murata.
0: Rich Murata. Yeah, no, you don't let it go. I'm not sure, Rich Marata.
3: I was listening to
0: his podcast years ago and I thought it was neutral corner as well. Oh really? Did oh no. Oh, I don't know. Maybe he did do a uh let's see. Okay. Uh oh, did Rich have a neutral corner? I actually talked to Rich, but so Rich Marota. You're talking to yeah. He had the virtual corner podcast too, huh? Interesting. I did not know sure that. Was it's coded. It's uh, I don't know,
3: so. but I,
0: I trademarked mine, so uh, no one can take it now. So.
3: <laughs> All right, so. All right. Um, well, yeah, I've just been. Um, I'm from the UK, but I moved to uh, New Zealand just before the world uh, went to hell. Ah. So, um, I'm calling from there Saturday morning here, or just after midday.
0: I just um, did a, a radio show out there. Oh, Do you yeah, know yeah. uh Steffi? I think it's afternoons with Steffi. It's a sports radio show there in New Zealand I just did earlier this week.
3: I don't. I'll make a note with that. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, check it out. Yeah. All right. Well yeah, I didn't have um I was mostly listening, but I was for once I try to uh, watch it live, usually just download a podcast. Um uh, one thing I Uh, I don't know if you've ever brought up um, my idea to fix boxing Um, as well as having weighing limits having uh, hydration limits too because that's that's what's causing the damage yeah you're right and I think that on its own could fix other problems Um, for instance I think if boxers could um, eat a bit more and be at their natural weight they wouldn't have to rely on supplements so much but, um, you can measure you know hydration by uh, like well a few different ways they're not that accurate, but you can have a, a decent range so you know i'm not I'm not a doctor, but I thought that good. has that ever been have you ever heard that being discussed?
0: As I've a actually limit and a hydration in well, so I've had um ideas for hydration limits and weight management programs that, uh, the WBC has explored this a little bit and they, they have a rehydration clause in, in, for their title fights. But I actually, I I talked to Andy Foster, the head of the California athletic commission about this before, because, you know, in all my research looking at, um, fighter deaths in the ring and things like that, what I have been told by numerous experts is that it's the weight cut Often that leads to death in the ring more than anything else. It's the dehydration of the mm-hmm. brain. You literally dehydrate your brain, and then you take uh, you know blunt force trauma to the head. Um, you know, t- less than twenty four or about twenty four hours later, uh, and that's how these things happen a lot of times. So, what I've suggested, and I've done this with numer- numerous folks uh, uh, at different athletic commissions and sanctioning bodies, and they've always told me they're interested. And I'll look into it. But so far, no one's taken uh, me up on this. But I think there should be a year-round weight management program, and you should have to weigh. You should have to weigh in every month if you are rated in a particular division. Let's say in the top ten. Let's take middleweight, and you have to weigh within fifteen percent of the middleweight division limit. So you could do the math on that. Uh, I think that would be, oh boy, <laughs> uh, one eighty-four. If you're a middleweight, so you gotta be, and again, I'm just throwing this number out there. Maybe it's more, maybe it's less, but I think if we did something like that, and then we had rehydration limits after the fight, which the WBC already has, or I think the IBF has the WBC has a weight management program that I think is 30, 14 and seven days before the fight, something like you have to weigh within a threshold. And then the IBF has a 10 pound rehydration limit for their title bouts, but that's it. And I think that these things need to be year round. And I think that if we got to a a place where uh, ranked boxers were weighing in every month and they had to report their weigh-in, you know, um, and be within that threshold, we wouldn't see guys killing themselves to make weight. I think because same-day weigh-ins, never going to happen again. That era is over and uh, we're going to always have, you know, prior-day weigh-ins because that's become part of the business now. Uh, but yeah, I think listen, I've brought it up, um, uh, so far, no, one's taken me up on it, but I'll keep fighting a good fight on that.
3: Good. Um, cause it seems that this, um, delayed, uh, you know, the Wayne's, uh, before the fights, you know, the test Wayne, I heard the, um, this podcast with George and talking about how boxers cut weight to, to get so those in there, you know, they're hard sparring by cutting weight just to make the test weigh in, which adds even more danger, taking more
4: damage,
0: yeah, dehydrated
4: brain, even before the I've
0: heard that too. Yeah. So, so, so with the WBC example again, I, don't quote me, but I believe it's thirty days, fourteen days, and seven days. Um, a lot of guys will yeah. be a couple pounds off for their thirty day, and they'll go hit the sauna for a few minutes. You know, and they'll do that after a day of sparring. Yeah, that's not healthy. So if you made these programs year round, instead of just a month or, you know, a couple of weeks before a fight, I think they'd be more effective because guys would have to stay in shape year round and they'd have to fight at a more natural weight. You couldn't, a lot of these guys are taking performance enhancing drugs to cut weight. They're taking diuretics and things like that. You can't take that stuff year round. You have to cycle on and off of it. So if you have this program year round, it would help eliminate a lot of those issues, in my opinion.
3: Okay. Well, that was just been on my mind recently. I didn't have anything else to say, just my this thing. But yeah, good to call in finally. I'll keep down on the podcast and yeah, keep up with good work.
0: Thank you very much, sir. Enjoy the rest of your weekend out there. Thank you. All Thank right. You. All right. Uh, I said that was our last call, but I lied because I see CJ Duncan is on the line and he's always got good shit. So we're going to bring CJ on. He's gonna crush it, and then we're gonna get our weekend started. How about that, guys? All right, let's see. Uh, CJ, what's up, brother? You're on the show.
4: Montero, good Friday to you and the good folks. I was surprised that you were still going, you know, this long on the show. I was just finishing up with work, so I have not listened to any of the content. But I just felt like I had to at least try to call in because I saw. That back and forth that was going on about the the triple G and Dre Ward, and I'm assuming that you got to some of that somewhere along in, yep. in the playback. System.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, um, yeah. I had to tear that uh, shit up, man, it's because that shit—it's make- so annoying to anybody who was on the beat at that time and knows what was going on, or any educated fan that understands timelines in details. <laughs> like, it's just—it's such bullshit, dude.
4: Yeah, I mean, I'm just I I come across on it like this, man. Is that if you are a fan of either one of the fighters, okay, cool. Um, you know, to the fanagers and the fanboys that just kind of just override on one side or the other. I love the sport, you know, and have some kind of connection to the sport now. Standing there's 34, 35 years, but you know, I'd say like the last 20 or so what they eat don't make me shit.
3: Mm-hmm. and I know
4: I can use that term, because you get to control the content. So these folks are just like overriding, you know, about certain positions on it. And I don't even want to give old buddy, you know, shine even on your show, but the one that, you know, consistently is, is trying to clickbait people when it's pushing the lines of race. Uh, one thing that I can say about this platform, not only because of being, you know, an avid listener, but, you know, at a point in time in a different life, you was even willing to come in and chop it up with me on my pot. And then just even in the things that we have back and forth, is you let the bullets fly at every angle, it don't matter. If it ain't right, it ain't right. And you'll end up doing that. And you also give credit what credit is due when a fighter or a position is, you know, makes sense. These guys that are truly making money off of just angling like that, you know, I know that there's a sucker born every 10 seconds like the old P.T. Barnum line, but it just seems like some folks just keep falling for the same trick over and over. I'll give an example about it with a little buddy in particular. Back in September, when Valdez fought Monsensio, where I spent my own dollar, which a lot of those guys that are, you know, be on social media tweeting about, you know, riding off for every fighter each position and each uh, color and street, but they don't put their own dollar up. But I went out to Tucson and saw that fight. And while I was in the line in the bathroom, uh, you know, my brother comes up to me and, you know, he's just asking us my opinion on, you know, certain fights and everything. And then he's like, do you, uh, do you follow a buddy? I was like, no, I don't. He's like, man, it just seems like everything that comes out from him is just about race, man. He's like, he's always race-based. He's like, you know, the thing is, like, I like fighter X, fighter Y, fighter Z. And he starts giving me a rundown like this. Year. And I didn't ask him for the credit uh, to give him a rundown, you know, what brought him into boxing. But for just a random guy in a conversation 90 seconds in to basically say the same thing that we're essentially seeing on this thread that you got here now, you hope that fight fans are smarter than that. And more importantly, just people in general yeah. should be smarter than that. You know, again, you can have your position about what you think one fighter did do or one fighter did do. That's why when I sent you that super chat last week about what term is used more often in boxing at the end of the day, or he ducking, what, last yeah. week, it was just the end of the day. Now it's too ducking. The yep.
0: You just go back and y'all forth. God.
4: And I ain't saying y'all because, yeah, you know, like the folks that are listening to this pod, you know, they obviously got enough of a left and a right brain. But in general, the boxing fan in some ways cuts its own nose off by its face with this kind of position in the angling. And it's one of those moments where it kind of saddens you because you can even probably bet if you let this simmer long enough, we've got those stories going on with the the Ukraine, you know, based, you know, born and bred fighters, like with the Klitschko's, you know, and with Lucy that decided that their money wasn't worth more than the value of their countries, and they went to go defend on the front line. I can bet you dollars for donuts somewhere along the line. Somebody's going to use a baiting kind of comment to say something that will try to, to charge it up for more than what it is. And that's just unfortunate that we're in these times right here because it's, just a way for them to get a couple more clicks and if they can feel comfortable going to sleep at night being that pariah like to earn a living Mm -hmm. you know bless your heart like my big mom would say bless you um it's just it's it's sad dude and you know we've got a lot of things we got to try to like work ourselves through not only as boxing fans but people but some of this stuff right here man when when it's already been you know documented that both sides were in the wrong of not getting that. We're going back to the G in the war fight, of in the wrong of not getting the fighters off the finish line. But if anything, ask certain people for their receipts to see if they actually pull them. No, because all they got to do is say that they got receipts, and they know that somebody else is going to take that story and run that, that gauntlet for them yep. and not have to actually have them cover up. And career for career, again, it's it just split in air. Some people might say most of the prime of somebody's career was lost because they kept fighting in lawsuits that they know they weren't going to win and, you know, tried to kick a dying man while he was down all the way. And that's taking nothing away from all things Fame um, career. Completely agree. Again, there's nuance, too. I think when of your, your favorite words is nuance to this fight game. Um, yeah. Because some folks just don't end up seeing it that way. And it's unfortunate that we, we told those lines. And most importantly, these guys are willing to, to call people out of every name possible when I don't think that they are getting a half of a penny cut in half for having that opinion or riding that off that particular person. I hope that they ride just that hard for their family and their loved ones as they do for somebody that they walk by them probably wouldn't stop and give them an autograph because they think they can make money off of (laughs) it.
0: Yeah. It's a great point, man. It's Um, a great point. Twitter is not real life. Just a reminder for everybody.
4: But a lot of people end up living that way because they'll never get outside. The um, oh. You know, pvc has got a fight card that's coming out here on Saturday. Um, currently, uh, the price point is way different. They'll probably end up having way more of an attendance, but also just because of the dollars that, of the fighters that are involved. But if anybody's in the greater Vegas area, you can probably pick up a ticket for less than $30 to go to the Cosmo on Saturday to be able to check that fight out. And if you wait even longer than that, just walk around in the Cosmo, you might get in there free because they're going to want to at least paper it out a little bit to make the the arena seem somewhat full. That same arena that, you know, was less than seven years ago that Lomachenko sold out the place against Nicholas Walker, where it was a tough ticket to get that was almost a couple hundred bucks to be able to get. But, you know, um, some people say that, you know, he's all hype and that, you know, fighters that don't fight underneath that banner are all hype too. I don't know if, uh, if I've got time to kill. That'll be one that I would go check out. And uh, you know, I, I like when they put those events on over at the Cosmo. It's that that kind of arena sitting It's kind of cool and it's a limited seat. More feels more like theater versus an arena. You know, to watch a large scale fight. And it's more within my my easily price range to be able to go make work. And at least I know that it's not going into a pay per view model uh, for fighters that probably shouldn't be on pay per view at that time. I ain't going to hold you out here too much longer, man, because it seems like you've already had a, a long-running show as normal. Appreciate what you do. Continue the great work to all the folks that are on the core that are listening. You know, much respect. Y'all be safe. Look out for your loved ones and, you know, have some compassion while you be out on those streets. And like I said, Twitter ain't real. Go outside. Yes. Try to say that same nonsense to somebody outside and see if you still get your lip not being busted. <laughs> Until we catch up again, Montero, you be cool out there, man.
0: All right, you too, brother. We'll talk soon, man.
4: All right, now. Later.
0: Bye. Yeah, CJ's right. Uh, Go outside. CJ has a beautiful wife. I have a beautiful wife. We like to get on Twitter, talk boxing, talk shit. But we also go out and do things in the real world. And when you do that and you have a real life, um, it puts things in perspective. So um, I don't know if this is real, but I wanted to share this tweet here. Per Michael Benson, um, he says that Canelo Alvarez versus Dimitri Bivo will be shown live on the Zone pay-per-view in the U.S., priced at $60 for current subscribers and $80 for non-subscribers. Or He puts new subscribers, so I don't know if that includes a subscription or not. But to me, I don't know, man, $60 for that fight? It's kind of steep. I don't know. I don't know. If they have a strong co-feature, I'll consider it. But if not... I don't know, man. I don't like that price. I just don't. Uh, Papa Chubby Chad says, uh, Super Chat. Thank you, Chad. I will end on this. He says, Mike Aram was on the three knockdown rule and said that Taylor versus Crawford is no problem for top Rank to make. Is this Crawford's best option aside from Spence and PVC? Well, Aram says all kinds of things, and he's, you know, so we can't put too much stock into what Arum says because he is a promoter. But I do think in reality, yes, uh, Crawford's, you know, his star power isn't that big. Taylor's star power isn't that big. I do think both of these guys, it'd be a pretty easy fight to make because there'd be international money involved that would make it worth Grandpa Bob's while. uh, And he could meet Crawford's purse demands. So, yeah, I think. It is a great option. And personally, guys, I gotta see how Spence looks against Ugas to know. I mean, that maybe Ugas wins that fight. I don't, I favor Spence, obviously, but I don't know. What, I don't know. Right now, uh, Taylor's at the top of his game, and so is Crawford. Crawford might be the best fighter in the world. So I'd love to see the undisputed champion at 140 and the best welterweight fight each other. That'd be awesome. And uh, Crawford also was once the undisputed 140. So that's a fantastic fight. And both Taylor and Crawford probably got the meanest, mean streaks in all of boxing right now. They have the same fighter personality. So, yeah, sign me up for some of that shit. Now, that's a pay-per-view I would pay for. All right, guys. Have a wonderful weekend. Uh, As my man CJ said, get outside. be with your loved ones. All right? Get off the damn Twitter. The news is too negative right now. Get outside and do something this weekend. All right? Until Monday, TNC. Guys have a great weekend. See you at the fights. Peace.